Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, that, that, didn't sound, that didn't sound loud enough. That did not even come close to sounding loud enough. Let's, uh, we're going to, yeah, now the volume here is all the way down. I think the volume was probably fine there. I don't know what is happening here. Um, okay, we're still good here. All right, hang on. Everyone knows we're having uh, some, we're having some uh, audio issues here. Or not audio issues. We're having, we're having a learning curve. We're having a learning curve. All right, everyone. You know, we're now, we're using a MacBook Pro now and uh, we're, we're just still some learning curves here. So every once in a while, something weird happens and that's Okay. I was worried there that the volume wasn't loud enough for you, but it wasn't that it wasn't loud enough for you. The volume wasn't loud enough for me because of what I'm using to monitor it. The volume was down. So let's do that again. Are you ready? Let's do this again. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to, we're going to do a, another do over. We are, we're doing lots of do overs with our introductions lately. I had to, I had to edit the last introduction. So here we go. I probably should edit this one, but I won't. I'll just leave it here. Are you ready, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen? We go live in five, four, three, two, and one. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 8th, 2023. It is currently 8.38 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because uh, things are falling all over the place. <laughs> I picked up the iPad. Bibles were falling off the table. Books, pencils, everything. Everything was falling. So, so hey, hey, do, do, do you want to humor me one more time? Do you want to humor me one more time? All right, we're gonna do the, we're gonna do this one more time. All right. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Everything, everything is going wrong. That's good. But the good thing is, the good thing is I can edit all of this out. I can. Isn't it wonderful that in te- with technology, like all of this? Now, if you're recording all of this, well, then you will always have all of these mistakes. But like you watch when I upload this in a little bit, all of this is going to be just magically gone. All of this is just not going to exist because I'm going to delete it. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. That is hilarious. Everything. You should have just seen it. Everything was just falling all around me. Things. I don't know. You probably heard some of it, but things were just falling everywhere. Okay. I'm sitting there trying to give you this professional introduction and everything was falling around me. All right. Are you ready? All right. We're going to try this again. Ladies and gentlemen. We go live. Oh, okay. Well, I can't. I can't even. Get, I can't even get this set the way I need to. Ladies and gentlemen, we go live in five, four, three, two, and one. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. 
Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 8th, 2023. It is currently 8.40 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. It's Saturday. Typically, that's a good thing, but for us who participate in the Bible study exercise, Time and time again, we find ourselves Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning. And you know what we discover for those who participate in the Bible study exercise? For me, who actually is supposed to lead you through the Bible study exercise, we get to Saturday. It may be morning, it may be afternoon, it may be evening, it may be late at night. But here's what we come to the realization of. Here's what we're confronted with. The week of Bible study exercise has ended, and we are about to begin a new week of Bible study. Well, we worked about seven weeks on the Gospel of John. We got a little bit distracted. We were supposed to work on the seven signs, seven I am statements. We kind of got distracted. We kind of stopped following the curriculum, and we kind of did our own thing. And that kind of got messed up. There were a number of times where I was supposed to, from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church, work on basically some passages dealing with Elijah, with Elisha, with the Gospel of John, looking at the seven signs and the seven I am statements. We were going to work on that. Now, I gave everyone the reading plan so that you could go, you know, subscribe to it and you could follow along. Hopefully you did that. I didn't hear from a lot of people, but hopefully there were a lot of people who took advantage of that resource you used the Bible reading plan and you looked at all of those passages. You looked at the, what, what these merit, what, what Elijah, Elisha's miracles and Jesus' miracles had in common, how they were different. You looked at the seven I am statements and, and you were able to just dig into that on your own. Remember the, the one thing about the Bible study exercise is I've tried to make it clear for this podcast series is that the goal here is not for me to always do all of the teaching, but sometimes just hand it to you. And so in that particular case, I handed it to you. I had every intention to do some work with my church from the pulpit on all of that. Here's this miracle by Elijah. Here's this miracle by Elisha. Because some claim that the Gospel of John basically, in a sense, revisits the miracles of Elisha in the miracles of Jesus, which serves as seven signs. And then you kind of connect them to the seven I am statements. I thought it was a fascinating kind of hypothesis. I wanted everyone to work on it. So I did give you all of that. It's just I wasn't able to do what I really wanted to do uh, with that. And so I do apologize for that. Then uh, the curriculum gave us John 19 and John chapter 20. Two weeks, one week in John 19, one week in John chapter 20. And what I was attempting to do is to get you to work on both of those chapters, John 19 and John 20. And they they, they were going to dedicate two weeks to it. I wanted you to do so in one week, just putting them together and working on it and working on it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Once again... That meets at least the parameters of what I've set this podcast to be, which is a Bible study exercise. I'm guiding you. I'm leading you into it. But the goal was to do a lot of just maybe devotional messages, do some sermon reviews, do a lot of stuff on John 19. And ladies and gentlemen, that didn't happen. Someone sent me a link 
of all, I think all of the sermons on the Sermons 2.0 app on dealing with John 19, I think just John 19 and maybe in John 19 and 20, there was over like 13,000 messages on John 19 and 20. So they're, they're like, I could have been reviewing them all week, but that did not happen. And I didn't do as, and I wanted, and I did a part one where we worked through part of John 19. I was going to come back and do a part two, maybe use it for the today's focus. I, I had all of these ideas. And then many of you know, <laughs> you, everyone knows what happened. We switched from the Dell laptop to the MacBook Pro that I am grateful again for those who have supported us. And immediately, what did we discover? Well, first of all, we were doing test after test after test, and I could not get things to work properly. And it was it was maddening and it, it, it just it just messed up everything. It just it literally just messed up everything. Now, hopefully you were still working on John 1920. Unfortunately, look, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I was preoccupied with everything going on here, and, and, and I'm still a little bit preoccupied because we still haven't been able to figure out how we're going to get uh, the MacBook Pro to stream what we need to stream at the church. We still have a problem there. So I've been looking like, oh, here's a here's a cheap Windows-based laptop for like $400. Maybe, maybe I can get that, and then I'll just use that for the church. And then I, I've been trying to do everything. We, we're, we've got a possible solution tomorrow that only costs us like $50. We're going to see if, if that... If that solution works, you will know tomorrow. But um, all of that distracted from John nineteen twenty, and uh, well, I, I I can't make any excuses. It's just that's what happened. So we are about to engage and begin a seven week study on the subject of temptation. All right. So we, I, I I'm I'm thinking about introducing that possibly tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church, possibly. Um, we will see. We will see how I want to do that. But in the meantime, I did a John 19 part one. I can't end the week and never do part two, right? I mean, if you do a part one, you have to do a part two. You have to. You have to. So this Saturday night, let's spend some time in John chapter 19. We've had a little bit of fun. Yes, we had some some issues with our introduction to to this episode and this live broadcast. We've had a little bit of fun, but now let's get serious, right? And let's look at John 19. And uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses, but I'm really going to focus on three words. I'm going to focus on three words. You ready? John chapter 19, verse 28. After... This now the after this is probably Jesus. If if you don't know, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and then Jesus. Uh, look at verse twenty six. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and his and the disciples standing by whom he loved, everyone believes that is John. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And then he saith to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her unto his own home. So Jesus is making sure his mother is taken taken care of and is taken care of there by John. There, there's there's a there's a lot there I, w- I want to talk about. There's a lot there, there's a mm, there's so much we could talk about right there. But I don't want to talk about that tonight. I don't want to get sidetracked by it. But there's just that's going to come back up somewhere. 
today's focus broadcast somewhere because I uh, there's just so much. I don't know if you I don't know if you see it. I don't know if it jumps out at you, but I mean, here's Jesus is hanging on the cross. Hey, woman, this is your son. Basically, John, this is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her unto his own home. In other words, in other words, she was going to be provided for this. I, I want to at least throw this out there. She was going to be provided for. She was going to be cared for. She's in a sense was going to be protected for, protected from by John. In other words, she was going to be cared for, protected. She, she was going to be cared for, protected and provided for by, I want you to hear this term, ordinary means. Now he's the eternal son of God. He's hanging on the cross. He's dying. He's the eternal son of God, right? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, one God, three distinct uh, persons, co-equal, co-eternal. Now to me, this just jumps out to me reading. I I don't want to get too sidetracked by this, but I don't know about you. It's just like, well, wait a minute. Why? Why does she need John? Couldn't he just provide, protect, care for her in a supernatural way? I mean, he he's going to die, be buried, raise on the third day, ascend to the right hand of the Father from which he will come to judge the living and the dead. He's going to be there back in heaven. Could he just not supernaturally provide for her? All the food, boom. Money, boom. Protection, boom. I mean, whatever you need, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. You got everything. You got everything. But he sets up a system of protection, of caring, of provision through what we would call an ordinary means. It's not supernatural. It's not in a sense that, oh, you know, she's just going to open her door in the morning and there's going to be food. And she's going to open the door in the morning. There's going to be a bag of money. And she's going to, and, and when bad people try to hurt her, boom, angels will surround her. Isn't it just bizarre to you? He sets up the care for his mother using ordinary means. I don't know. Is it, am I the only person that that just jumps out to? Anytime I read that, I'm always like, wait, what is he doing? She doesn't need John. Why, why does she need him? Now you can say, well, he's trying to ensure that she has companionship. You, you, you can try to come up with some reason, but no matter what, no matter what is being provided here, whether it's companionship, whether it's um, material, you know, uh, material supply, material provision, whether it's physical protection, whatever is being provided here, he's not providing it in a supernatural way. He's providing it through ordinary means. John's going to work. John's going to obviously bring in the money. He's going to take care of her, protect her, provide for her. You would think he's God incarnate. He could just be like, Mary, I'll take care of you. Does that not, I can't be the only person who's ever read that and not, and been just like confused. (laughs) Am I the, I can't be the only one. I cannot be the only one, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one. Right. I know, I know I'm not now. I'm just kind of like waiting to see. Does, doesn't someone agree with me here? Someone has to agree with me here. All right. But that's not what we're here to talk about. All right. So after this, after this 
I just feel it's bizarre. I don't know what's happening there. I just don't understand it. I don't, all right, here we go. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, all things were now accomplished, interesting phrase, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now, uh, now all things were now accomplished that the scriptures might be fulfilled. I'm assuming at this point, all prophetic scriptures pertaining to his first coming had been fulfilled, Right? Or at least everything up to his resurrection. I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, and here are the three words, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. It is finished. I cannot speak for you. But in 2023, where I am in my spiritual life, those three words have taken on a more powerful an impactful meaning than maybe they have in my entire Christian life, because I don't know if I've ever truly embraced that it is finished. He took care of everything. It is done because in my Christian life, I've always been taught and kind of brought up in a Christianity says, okay, Jesus died for you. Jesus paid for all your sins. You're saved by the work of Jesus alone. You're saved by an imputed righteousness. Like I heard all the right words, but it was always like, but, 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 you don't know if you're saved unless you do this and this and this and this and this and this. And this proves if you're saved and this proves if you're saved. And if you don't do this, and if you're not doing this, and if you're not reading, if you don't love God, well, then you may not be saved. You've got to prove that you're saved. So whatever was supposedly finished, I thought, well, no, no, something was finished, but I got to do my part because if I don't do this and this and this, then that finished work is not mine. For it to be the finished work to be mine, I got to show this. I got to prove that the finished work is mine. I got to read more, go to church more, pray more, love people more, love God more, stop sinning, stop desiring sin, stop sinning internally, stop sinning externally, stop lusting, stop coveting, stop getting angry, stop being bitter, stop being unforgiving. And it's always like, do, 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 you know, basically law, 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 law. Now I would be told it's finished. It's finished, but it never felt like it was actually finished because whatever he finished, if I didn't do this and this and this and this somehow, then that proves the finished work was never given to me, but I've come to learn. No, he actually finished everything. And by faith, that finished complete work is well imputed to me. So I just want to take a little time to consider it is finished. It is finished. All right. I I, I think I think we should consider that tonight. All right. So what I want you to do first. I mean, for this is Bible study exercise. I don't know if you're going to have time tonight. I don't know if you'll have time tomorrow, maybe Sunday afternoon. Maybe, maybe you will. Um, maybe Sunday night. I would just like you for you to really meditate on the fact that it is finished. What did Jesus actually finish on the cross? It is finished. What was finished? What was finished? 
Now, I have an article here written in 2019. They offer the following. Are you ready? When he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's John 19.30. I'm obviously reading from the King James. The article obviously is using a different translation. All right. So far, so good. At Easter, this is the words they use, Jesus went through the agony of his suffering and during all the pains of hell. He has cried out from the depths, but now he's announcing his victory. He moves, uh, he moves into death, not defeated, but triumphant. It is finished. What did Jesus finish? Now, I'm not here to get into an argument about should we, you know, I, I don't like the term Easter. I'm not a fan of the term, not a fan of the word. Um, I'm not. Um, I want to refer to it as Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Day, not Easter. We can get into a whole discussion about that. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I'm not here to get into an argument about the day, you know, who cares? You, whatever day you set aside to remember the resurrection, all I care about is, is that a biblical event? It's a biblical event. So I don't care what day you say. People say, people always get caught up on the day. Well, the day is associated with this or it's associated with that. You can argue that all. I don't care what day you pick on the calendar. It's going to be associated with something. The days of the week, the days of the month, their very names are associated with typically pagan gods and like you, you would just, you would drive yourself crazy. Go, well, we can't use this day. We can't. No, pick the day. Let's just make sure what we're remembering on that day is a biblical event. And I do believe the tomb was empty and I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, I don't care if tomorrow's the day set aside to celebrate it. I don't care what day of the week it is. I don't care what month it is. I just want to remember a biblical event. So that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the word Easter, but that's okay. All right. But they say, what did Jesus finish? They said, number one, he finished the long night of his suffering. I put this first because John describes how someone held up a sponge soaked in vinegar on a stick. And the apostle says, when Jesus had received the drink, he said, it is finished. Matthew Henry and his famous commentary says, when he had received that last indignity in the vinegar they gave him, he said, this is the last I am now going out of their reach. So Matthew Henry kind of sees it is finished as all of their indignities, all of their, all of their bullying, punishing, trying to make me suffer, trying to humiliate me. It is finished. And now I'm going out of their reach. They can never, no longer do that to me. That's how Matthew Henry, at least. And that, and that, that sentence. This article says this was the end of his excruciating suffering. Jesus knows suffering from the inside more than anyone has ever known it. But he is now, but he is, but he is not suffering now. He's done with that. It is finished. He's not in the grave either. He's at the right hand of the father where he intercedes for us. That is of massive importance for us. A suffering world needs a savior who knows about suffering, a savior who overwhelmed, who was overwhelmed by suffering, a savior who remains in suffering is of no use to us. We need a savior who triumphed over his suffering. That is what we have in Jesus. He was plunged into indescribable suffering, but he was not overcome by it. He came through it and he triumphed in it. All right. I think there, I think, I don't think that's completely wrong to say that he, that he finished his suffering. He did. I mean, 
clearly the suffering was coming to an end because he says it is finished and he immediately dies. It, that's what it appears, or at least in John's gospel, that it seems that after he says it is finished, then he bows his head and gives up the ghost. So that it, it was over. It was done. He, all the suffering was finished. I'm not saying that's everything that that phrase means, but I think it's fair to say the long night of his suffering had come to an end. Number two, the full course of his obedience. He finished his full course of obedience. The article says, remember why Jesus came into the world? The son of God became a man to live the life you and I would have to live in order to enter heaven. Jesus lived a perfect life. There was no sin in him. Now, this to me is so important. When people say, why did Jesus come? He came to die for you. That is such an incomplete answer. Jesus came first to live for you, then die for you. He came to fulfill all righteousness. He came to fulfill the law. He came to obey all of the law because you never can you never will. So in Christ, listen, that full course of obedience he fulfilled, it is imputed to you. We And in the London Baptist Confession of Faith, it states it something like this, that Christ, his passive and active obedience is imputed to us by faith. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the basic concept. His obedience is imputed to you by faith. What does that mean? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, guess what is imputed to you? In other words, this is this is given to your account. This is accredited to you, all of his obedience. So in Christ, you're perfectly obedient. All, all, all requirements for obedience is finished in Christ. That's why when people say, no, 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 you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this to prove you're saved. You can make that claim and I'll be like, fine, there's the test. If I don't do this, I'm not saved. Look to Christ. He did it for me. Now, I'm not saying that means I should live in sin and I can do whatever I want. I'm saying that the reality is he finished it all. He finished the entire requirement of the law. He finished the entire requirement of obedience, and that is imputed to me. So any obedience that you say, prove my salvation, it's proved in the obedience of Christ who took care of it all. They go on to say, um, the night before he died, he was able to say to his father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. John 17, 4. Spurgeon says, and I quote, examine the life of the Savior from Bethlehem to Calvary. Look minutely at every portion of it, the private as well as the public, the silent as well as the spoken part. You will find that it is finished, complete, perfect. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Matthew 5, 17. Every commandment of God was fulfilled in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single commandment he obeyed. 
he fulfilled. And all of that obedience is imputed to you by faith. It is finished. Throughout his life, Jesus loved God the Father with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself. He's the only person who's ever done it. Jesus' perfect life of obedience was now complete and he was about to lay it down. So he said, it is finished. I I don't even know. Like that makes me just want to yell and scream. Like that should make you the happiest person alive tonight. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, every command, every law, everything has has been, he obeyed it for you. Pray without ceasing. We just talked about that in the last live, live broadcast. Guess what? He prayed without ceasing. You're never going to pull that off. We should strive for it, but we're never going to pull. He did. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're never going to. He did it. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You're never going to do that. He did it. Be ye holy as he is holy. Well, obviously he's God. He, he's perfectly holy. Sin not. He's, he did not sin. Whatever, whatever scripture you look to, do not covet. Do not do this. Do not do. He didn't do any of those. He didn't do any of the wrong things. He did all of the right things and all, and it is finished. So tonight, whenever people say, Hey, if you don't do this, 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 proves you're not saved. You say, guess what? It's all finished. It's all done. Well, well, wait, I know you. Yeah, I know you know me, but you obviously don't know my savior. Because he did it all and it's imputed to me. So you judge me and you can declare me not saved. You can declare me not justified. Go ahead, make your judgment. But when I stand before God, he won't be looking at my obedience. He'll be looking at the obedience of his son that's imputed to me. There you go. It is finished. Number three. The second, third thing he finished, the decisive decisive battle with his enemy. The life of Jesus was a life of suffering. It was a life of obedience, but it was also a life of conflict with our great enemy, the devil. Look at the world today and ask this question, where does evil come from? Why do so, so many marriages fail? Why do wars keep happening? Now, just to make sure you understand this. I, I would make sure we specify that a, the, a lot of these things happen because of the evil inside of us. And where does evil ultimately come from? We can get into some serious theological questions there, but okay. Jesus spoke with absolute clarity about Satan or the devil. He did. Confronting the devil was the first act of Jesus' public ministry. The spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Throughout his ministry, we see Jesus casting out the evil spirits that were holding human lives in bondage. The story of this conflict goes back to the beginning of the Bible. Satan tempted the man and the woman and led them into sin that caused them to lose the joy of the paradise of God. They got the knowledge of evil and came under the power of the evil one. That's been our story ever since. It is the explanation of what we see in the world today. But God promised that a redeemer would come saying to Satan, you will bite his heel, but he will crush your head. God's promise in Eden is precisely what happened on the cross. And Christ's death, he breaks the devil's power. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphant, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. When Jesus died, 
He went beyond the reach of Satan. Satan could no longer tempt him. The devil could no longer afflict him or cause him to suffer. When Jesus went into death, it was game over for the devil and game on for us. The decisive battle with the enemy had been won. All of Satan has been defeated. Now you say, well, it is, but it's not yet. We can get into that, but it's finished. It's over. It, it, he defeated him. He triumphant. He was triumphant over him, to say it that way. He was he uh, triumphing over him. However, the, the King James, how does the King James quote that uh, verse? Colossians 2.15. How does the King James state it? Uh, the King James, I think, says it this way. Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So both both translations use that word. Uh, he he was victorious over them. He he could he could show his victory over them. He he he, distri- he he defeated them. It's over. It's finished. He finished that. And then number four. So number one, what did Jesus finish on the cross? The long night of his suffering. Number two, the full course of his obedience. Number three, the decisive battle with the enemy. And number four, the complete work of his atonement. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. And on the cross, he says, it is finished. He has borne the guilt of our sins. He has endured the punishment of our hell. The divine wrath has been spent on him. The justice of God has been satisfied in him. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And on the cross, he says, it is finished. Here we go. He has borne the guilt of our sins. So if you say, no, 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 no. You don't know if you're saved until you look at this. Well, any sin you see me committing and you say, well, that proves you're not saved. Jesus bore the guilt of that sin. So how can you then use it against me to prove that I'm not saved? If he bore the guilt, it's all taken care of. You can say you're guilty. And I'm like, and Jesus bore that guilt. Uh, he has endured the punishment of our hell. You can't say, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're proving you're not saved because you do this and this and this. Well, you're going to tell me I'm going to hell? Jesus, my faith in him, he's bore the punishment of it all. He's already taken care of it. Not only that, the divine wrath has been spent on him. God poured out all of his wrath on him on my behalf if I put my faith in him. We come along and say, no, no, if you put your faith in him, you won't do this and won't do this. God, God has no more wrath for me. It's all been taken care of in Jesus Christ. He was the propitiation. The justice of God has been satisfied on him. The perfect sacrifice has been offered. Complete atonement has been made. Hell has been vanquished. The condemnation has been removed. Now the Redeemer says it is finished. Jonathan Edward wrote, though millions of sacrifices had been offered, yet nothing was done to purchase redemption before Christ's incarnation. So nothing was done after his, re- so nothing was done after his resurrection to purchase redemption for men, nor will there be anything more done to all eternity. It happened once and it's been done. Not before, not after it's been done in Christ. What can be added to Jesus' redemptive work? What can you add to it? His, what can you add to his death and resurrection? It is finished. His long night of suffering is over. His law, he's no longer on the cross. The full course of obedience is over. The decisive battle with the enemy is over. Christ finished. You haven't, but with him you will. Christ finished it all. 
You can't, you will not, you can't add anything to it. You can't even subtract from it. Jesus finished it all. It is done. And somehow we we take what Jesus finished and we say, well, well, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. It may not be finished because you got to do this. You got to do that. Now, I know what we would say. No, no, you don't do it in order to get it, but you do it because it's been done. But you're telling me if I don't do it, then I never got it. That no, Jesus finished it. It's done. It's complete. It's either Jesus did not finish it. Or he did. You can't say, you can't do a bait and switch, right? Hey, here, we're going to put on the hook. We're going to put Jesus finished it. And as soon as you grab onto the bait, then we hook you and go, wait, 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 wait. You can't, you couldn't, you shouldn't do this, do that, do this, do this, don't do this. Then maybe you'll prove you're saved. Wait, I thought Jesus finished it all. Now, I'm not calling for us living our lives any way we want. The Bible clearly calls us to to put away sin, to fight against it, put on the new, put off the old. We know we're called to do that. But my salvation is based by the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is finished. Have you ever truly rested for one day? For one night in the finished work of Jesus Christ, have you ever truly rested in his finished work? Are you still striving? Are you still struggling? Are you still hoping? Are you still pleading and begging? Have you, it's finished in him. It's finished. It's done. It's done. Salvation is complete. It's finished in him. Have you truly rested in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Now, We're going to have to finish, sadly, another week of Bible study. We got seven weeks dealing with temptation coming in front of us. I hope we can make it. I hope we can make it the best seven week study that we've done in a long time because I feel like we've been slacking. I feel like I've been failing. I feel like I haven't done enough. I feel like I haven't done it correctly. Because that, well, that's how I feel about everything. That's how I feel about my Christian life. I haven't done it correctly. I haven't done enough. I haven't read my Bible enough. I haven't done this. I haven't done, I've, I've thought this way and desired that. I know I'm a, I am know I'm in a constant state of failure all the time in my life, but I know Christ finished it. So I know this, no matter how poorly the Bible study exercise goes over the next seven weeks, no matter how many wrong decisions I take and go, well, let's cover this instead. How many things we don't get to because of life. Isn't it good to know that no matter how well we study or how far we fall short, that Christ finished everything for us. It's all finished. It's all finished. Can we rest in that today? I do honestly apologize that we didn't spend time in John 19 20 the way we should have. Obviously, I gave you every opportunity to do so on your own, but I always feel bad that I didn't do more. I feel bad that I've kind of let us down on the Elijah, Elisha, the seven signs and the seven I am statements. I'm not giving up on that. We're going to find a way to insert that somewhere into teaching, probably at Victory Baptist Church. We're going to find a place that we we finished our work on baptism. Uh, we still need to work on Ezekiel 40 through 48, but we will, we were going to work, we're going to work on that. Maybe, maybe tomorrow night. I think tomorrow we'll introduce the Bible study. It's Sunday morning. We have to. We'll introduce the Bible study exercise on temptation and we'll see what we can do with that. We will see. We will see. So what's your thoughts 
on It Is Finished. Email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. If you have any thoughts or anything about anything we've done this week, anything you've done this week, please let me know. I love the feedback for the Bible study exercises because I like to know that we're accomplishing something. Um, I know I can get far more downloads and streams by dealing with controversial issues. I could talk about the you know Trump being indicted. Boom, I'm going to get all kinds of emails. I could talk about the two rulings from different judges on the abortion uh, pill and all of the fighting going on. I mean, there's all I could talk about you know transgender, LGBTQ. All of that sparks all of the controversy and. But we've got to we got to get people back into studying God's word, and so that's why we do the Bible study exercise. Because the goal is for me not even to do it all for you. The goal really is to say, hey, this week do this, and even if I don't get to it, the goal is for me not to even have to worry about or feel guilty because I've given you what to do. But I know that if I just kind of hand it to you on a Sunday and I don't do anything, I know statistically by Saturday, ninety percent of the people haven't done anything. So I've got to be turning on the microphone trying to say, no, 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 come on, come on, do that. Look in John 19. Come on, look in John 20. So I didn't get to John 20, but I looked a little bit more there in John 19. And hopefully I've given you something to think about and to supplement what you have done. Don't forget the curriculum is still available and we'll be switching tomorrow to the curriculum that is all about temptation for the next six to seven weeks. Hopefully it will be beneficial. All right, if you have any questions or thoughts, email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. If you listen to all of this live broadcast, you got to hear all of the mess ups <laughs> with the introduction. Here in about 30 seconds, I'm going to start deleting all of those mess ups so that when this finally goes to all the podcast apps, no one will ever know. Well, I mean, you, you know right now. I don't know. Or should I leave them? Should I leave? Should I leave all of those mess ups? You know what? In a roundabout way, it's kind of fitting. It's kind of symbolic. I should, she, I, I should have told you that I did it to illustrate a point. The point is that's our lives. We mess up over and over and over again because we're sinners with a sinful nature. That did not go away when we were saved. But in Christ, it is finished. All of my mess ups don't matter. They matter in the sense that obviously we know we don't want to do them and we know we shouldn't, but they don't matter as far as salvation is concerned because in Christ Jesus and my position, not practically, but in Christ, I'm a new creature. The old is gone. All things have become new. In Christ, it's if those Mess ups are no longer there. They're gone. They're finished. They're covered in the blood. Jesus paid for them. They don't exist. So maybe all of my mess ups that maybe I should edit out of this, that, that's just a representation of all of our mess ups. So do I leave it? I don't know. You tell me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great, great, great Saturday night. Tomorrow, Look, I know churches bring in all kinds of nonsense to celebrate the resurrection of Christ from Easter egg hunts and all. I don't even know what churches are doing 90% of the time, but try to just ignore all of that nonsense and remember Christ has risen. Christ has risen. 
meditate on the importance of the resurrection tomorrow, right? Now, for us at Victory Baptist Church, we're just going to continue with business as usual, law and gospel, and then we're going to start our study on temptation tomorrow. That's what we're going to do. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Everyone have a great, great, great night. God bless.